in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Said a happy new- Wow. Incredible. Mitch has broke the stream. Mitch has broke the Christmas stream. I this is an incredible moment. I can't believe this is happening. Welcome on in. It's uh it's good to be here. We'll get Mitch back on here in just a second. But uh, a Merry Christmas. It's a Christmas-themed sports hour. We got him back. Yeah. Mitch, the Christmas stream is so good that within 10 seconds, the intro, you broke it. I love it, man. Incredible stuff. It's just too much fire coming in. There was just too much fire. And As you can see, if you're watching the live stream, uh, all the lights in the background, Mitch, uh, I think you'd probably blew a breaker or something. Cause, uh, you got a lot of plugs back there. A lot of stuff going on. I was going for like the Clark Griswold thing where I was just going <laughs> to put the whole neighborhood out. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Lots of Christmas. About what I it looks we're, like. we're in the same room technically. So yes, you know. yes. Uh, yeah, we are, uh, I should intro this a little better. It's we're doing this episode 153, the Christmas special. It's December 20th. It's a Tuesday. We're live on the YouTube. We're live on the Twitter. If you're watching, welcome. We see you. Uh, Thanks for joining. If you're listening live uh, on your podcast uh, feed the next day, not live, you're live with us in our hearts. Uh, But if you're listening later, hello, you're missing out because Mitch and I have these. uh, We're in this beautiful well-decorated room together, obviously, because uh, clearly this is the same room behind us. So, yeah, I mean, of course it, we are. We're, we're clearly together here for this Christmas special episode 153. And it seemed fitting, Mitch, this time of year before the holiday season is we'll take a little bit of uh, a longer hiatus here that we uh, we do a little Christmas special, have some fun today. Uh, before the uh, Christmas weekend and uh, a regular podcast full of great content, but all Christmas themed. You know, we're going to try to try to have some fun with it, as you can tell. Oh, yeah, we're going to have a blast with it. It should be a ton of fun. I'm sitting here at my desk. I got all the Christmas cards that, you know, have been coming in and from loved ones. I love to get to see the pictures that everyone took to to put those Christmas cards. Together. Yes. And uh, yeah, we're going to have a blast. We're going to have a I love blast. it. I love it. The Christmas. This is the first Christmas episode we've ever done on the Sports Hour. So that's that's pretty fun. We've done Christmas esque things in the past, but we haven't done like a Christmas episode. So yes. This is... So first of its kind here, uh, and it right. feels good. Feels right. We love Christmas really here, right? right? Oh, I mean, we're big fans. It's the best time of the year. 
as you can tell, Mitch, show the people if you're watching the stream, show the people the sweater because oh, you got God. a Chris, you got a little crit. We got, but we both got Christmas themed sweaters, but yeah, show them here. Twas the twas the nizzle before Chris Mizzle and all through the hizzle. That is amazing. Oh, yeah, I'm jealous. I wish I had that. Honestly, it's a, it's uh, that one. is that is remarkable. I've got a little taco, ugly Christmas sweater full of Christmas tacos, and a llama beanie that I think if it still works. Let me check here. Is it lighting up? I can't you see tell. a little light. I can't tell either. I think the battery might be dead, but it says a little fall llama. It's great. We look super festive. We do. Again, we do. Spank, and we're in this spank. beautifully decorated house that's together so right yeah. next to each other. That's right. You're sitting under the lamp. That's why your lighting's a little bit better. Than <laughs> of mine, course. And yeah. I'm shadow. Yeah, I'm casting a shadow over you because we're, yeah. you know, standing close in proximity, just right. feet, feet, meters away. But uh, yeah. Mitch, let's. Uh, <laughs> enough musing this has been great uh a, a great start to this podcast but we we need to start this off the way that we always do my friend we need to start this with the news that's right let's get into the news and notes around the world of sports let's get into the news all right no christmas themed news intro today you know those are tough to come by, I think. I I I was uh, I was I was trying to think of how I was gonna do that, and uh, I had nothing. Yeah. You know, not enough creativity I, there, but uh, that's all right, Mitch. Let's start this off with some NBA news, and this was some very big NBA news. Uh, something we've discussed in what the last couple months as uh, there was a potential of this happening, but Robert Sarver, the longtime owner of the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury, the WNBA team has agreed to sell the franchises to a billionaire billionaire mortgage lender and former Michigan state walk on Matt Ishbia for $4 billion. That is right. An NBA franchise for four billion dollars for context just two years ago in 2020 ryan smith bought the utah jazz for 1.6 billion dollars and now obviously the jazz phoenix not quite the same values for franchises but this marks a huge jump in the value of not only nba franchises but sports franchises across the board. I mean, I think every NBA or sports franchise owner who saw this news today just left for joy. They just made a billion extra dollars because this raises the market in a huge way. Uh, this is pretty important news, even if it seems pretty minor. You know, one owner changing, you know, a team changing owners seems insignificant. But this really is going to have a ripple effect across all of sports, I think. Oh, I mean, can you just imagine what, like, they would never sell, I don't think, but, like, what the Bus family is thinking, what the Lakers are worth right now. I or mean, what six, the Celtics are worth or what the six. Mavericks I mean, it's got to be, like, right, you know. These bigger Golden State Warriors. Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, yeah. they got to all be, like, jumping for joy knowing that, like, if they're ever in a position to sell, here's where the new bar has been set. So, um First of all, I we, we can't just go over this. Good riddance, Robert Sarver. Good Absolutely. riddance. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Disgusting acts that he, uh, he pulled in his own organization and glad that he's gone um, and is not going to be a, an owner in professional sports anymore. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a pretty shocking sale. Not really because it was sold. We kind of expected this to happen, but the number is absolutely surprising. Yeah. That's the, the, the record price that we're talking here. That is what uh, is most important. Uh, Matt Ishbia, uh, again, as I mentioned, uh, a billionaire mortgage lender, a former walk-on at Michigan State, played for Tom Izzo. I think he won a national championship in 2000 uh, with the Sparties, but uh, he has been flirting with ownership for a while. Apparently, he's been interested in finding a team, a uh, sports franchise, particularly in the NBA, but also in the NFL, uh, and this has sort of worked out uh, to, to, to purchase now the Phoenix suns. And, uh, and again, I think allow the NBA and all of us to not have Robert Sarver around anymore, which is for the better. Right. And I, I think again, the, my first thought Mitch was to Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington commanders. My first oh, yeah. thought when I saw this news was Dan Snyder, probably thinking shit, I could get six Billy. For an NFL franchise, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a good one. For an NFL franchise, I mean, the number is going to be crazy. So he's thinking, I just made an extra billy today by this NBA deal. It's crazy. So, uh, again, the ripple effects here will be pretty major uh, when you talk about valuations. And on top of that, not to dig into this too much, but this gives players in the NBA big negotiating moves for the next CBA. Because now they could point this out and be like, look at how much money you guys are making. Look at how much money you guys are worth here. And you guys got to give us something back here. All right. We can't be doing this. This negotiation has to change if you guys are making this amount of money, which would be fair. So, again, major ripple effects for this. Uh, it'll be curious to see what those look like. But for now, good news, I think, in the sense, as you mentioned, Robert Sarver no longer going to be an owner of a franchise, which is for the better. He was a toxic person and a toxic owner and this is a good move and crazy to see a four billion dollar mark for an nba franchise just yeah. insane 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 nuts speaking of big money mitch mlb news and we love talking these free agency deals just got a handful to mention today a lot of the major players have already found destinations we've gone over those over the last few weeks but a few more notable uh, names to mention here. We'll start with the Chicago Cubs on December 17th, agreed to a deal with uh, shortstop Dansby Swanson, seven years, $177 million deal for Swanson on December 16th. Andrew Benatendi agreed to a five year, $75 million deal with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and then uh, a big pitcher deal for Carlos Rondon, who uh, agrees to join the New York Yankees on a six-year, $162 million contract. So, talk big money. That's some big money for players. Uh, any reaction to those uh, three deals there? Uh, look, the Radon deal is nothing surprising to me. The Yankees seem to add a big arm every offseason. Before the hot stove really kicks off and we start to get into winter meetings, they add one big guy, right? And it's, so, it's yeah. like, okay, yep, yeah, Radon's that guy this year. It's your turn to be a Yankee, I guess. Um, the Benintendi deal is 
I think a good one for the White Sox, a, a good veteran left-handed bat, a young team, tons of talent has, you know, underperformed kind of our expectations over the last couple of years. We kind of expected them to make that leap um, with all that young talent. Benintendi would be a great veteran bat, a good addition to that lineup. I think the most uh, intriguing one here is Dansby Swanson, though. Yeah. Um, we just talked about it last week of with the shift kind of going away, the, what's the premium going to be for good defensive infielders? And Dansby Swanson is that guy, right? You know, he's a lifetime 255 hitter. He's not going to blow you away with what he does at the plate. He's going to be a good seven, eight hole type guy. Maybe you can bat him in the six hole or up at the top of the table center at the two hole, but yeah. um, he's a great defensive piece. And I think something that the Cubs desperately need right now, after Javi Baez left um, to kind of fill that void at the shortstop position. So a, a really great addition for Dansby Swanson uh, going over to uh, the South side and um, joining the Cubs. Yeah, that's a really good point, and, and it's something you've brought up throughout this free agency, but uh, the impact of the shift and maybe the value of defensive infielders and how much more valuable they are on this open market. Uh, you look at this deal for Dansby Swanson, you're talking $25 million a year for him over the seven years. That's a pretty good, that's a healthy, strong contract for him and a player like him, uh, proving an investment there from the Cubs that see that value, and I think... Uh, a fair mark, you know, not an overpay, uh, but certainly recognition of of what he can bring. We'll see uh, what kind of impact he can have in Chicago. Absolutely. And he's a 162 game a year guy like he yeah. plays every single day. So reliable. That's Very reliable. Uh, it's almost more valuable than anything else. You know, exactly. uh, Mitch, some golf, some news in the world of golf. Uh, a lot of drama between the PGA Tour and live golf. We've discussed that a bit. Uh, as that sort of took off this year. But uh, the Masters, Augusta National Golf Club announced today that any golfer qualified for the Masters tournament based on its previous criteria will be invited to play in 2023. That includes the six, 16 players who are currently completing in live golf who would have qualified already as uh, previous champions or, or different qualifiers. There's six past Masters champions on live on the Live Golf Tour, Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, Patrick Reed, and Charles Schwartzel. So uh, those guys will qualify, plus, uh, again, about 10 more guys. Uh, you know, I, I obviously, we haven't been big fans or proponents of Live Golf by any means. Uh, I don't no. necessarily support Live Golf by any means. I don't necessarily have an issue, though, with the Masters doing this. Like, I, I think the Masters is what it is. It is its own entity and to invite past champions and got, you know, open that invitation the way that they always have. I don't know. I guess it's fine. I would have an issue if all the opens, you know, the U S open, the open tournament, if those start opening the door to all these, and I think there's a different thing, but the masters being outside of the PGA tour, right? It's not a PGA tour event. It is its own entity. I think it has the right to, uh, you know, operate in that realm and i think in this case like i don't really have an issue uh with this despite my apprehension and, and my distaste for live golf i don't either and i think that this just proves that live golf needs the pga tour mm. they if live golf wants to survive they need the pga tour um because they don't have marquee events like this they don't have the Masters. They don't have the U.S. Open. They don't have the British Open. They don't have any of these things. 
And how are you going to market your best golfers on the tour if you don't have a marquee event that you could sell to everyone or you know put out there for everyone to watch? You can't right. do it. And you're never going to be able to compete with the Masters. Sorry. You're never going to come no. up with something as big and marquee as the Masters. So I think that this should be a big eye-opener to live that they need the PGA Tour to survive. And I think that this is, I, I, I'm with you. I have no problem with this because I want to see all the best golfers in the world in one spot. I don't want to yeah. see them split yeah. up. Um, and this is the only way that live golfers are going to be able to do that is that, if, you know, the PGA tour is opening up and it's kind of a little bit of under the table, you know, kicking the shins going, Hey dude, you still need us if you want to survive. So um, I love this move by the PGA, just letting all those guys come back uh, if they qualify for it. Yeah. No, and again, I think that's a good point. Ultimately, we want to see the best compete. And if some of those guys are on live golf for this tournament, it's cool with me. It's the Masters. That's what we want. Uh, and I think that's probably best for the sport. So, uh, Mitch, we got to do the weekly Kraken update here uh, on the Christmas special live on YouTube, Twitter. Welcome again if you're watching. Uh, if you want to say hello, uh, if you have any thoughts on anything we discuss here, Throughout the podcast, let us know in the comments. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast feed, you can let us know on our social medias or leave a uh, review on the podcast feed, right? A little maybe five stars, maybe four, uh, if it's not good enough, you know? Yeah. yeah like, okay. leave us five stars, we'll but then it. also, like we always say, tell us we suck because that's the only way we can get better. So leave us five stars and there then you go, go, you guys suck. That's I like that. We, yeah. I like that. Uh, but uh, let's talk cracking here, Mitch. Our boys, 17, 10, and 3 on the season. It's it, it, We've hit a bit of a, a rougher patch here, right? November, very good for the Kraken. Uh, what, I, I think a 7-8 game win streak there. And it's tapered off since, though. Uh, two and five over the last seven for the Kraken. Uh, they now sit third in the Pacific Division, sixth in the Western Conference. Still a very good season so far. Still very much in the mix and a lot of things to be excited about, but uh, hitting a natural sort of speed bump. The biggest question for me, Mitch, is how do you come out of this? How do you come out of a disappointing stretch after success? Can you get back to the level of success or do you let this affect the rest of your season and sort of taper off, right? As we see teams do. So that would be the ultimate test for the crack. And can they weather this storm, if you will, and come out on the other side uh, as a playoff team. Yeah, I know. I think it's funny how, like, we <laughs> this is the first time we've ever had a hockey team have any sort of success, and we're like, all right, we hit a rough patch. What do we do to get out of this? Like, <laughs> I think we should both maybe just take a little chill pill. We'll be okay. It's it's not even so much a rough patch. It's a plateau. Yeah, Climb, climb, yeah. climb, climb. Okay, we're at a little yeah. plateau. We'll climb, 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 and back up again. So, um, yeah, I mean, weather the storm, get out on it better on the other side. And uh, I mean, they're still outplaying the Kings. The Kings just have tie have more overtime losses than them. You know, yep. that's the only reason they're sitting second in their division. So um, everything's fine. Everything's fine. We're no, all good. We're not no worried yet to panic. No Absolutely. To panic. Still early. And listen, this is second year guys. We're, it's all good, dude. If we if we make the playoffs this year, that's fantastic. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know? like we said, we're not expecting anything like, the golden Knights did in their inception, right? right? We're not expecting right. anything like that, but if we can get in our second year, 
you know, maybe some of these free agents that are going to be coming around at the end of this year are going to turn hey. their head and go, hey, maybe yes. Seattle's somewhere I want to go. Seattle's a great city, great place to live. Yeah. But I've and always and maybe we'd have to, you know, make our way up there for a playoff game. How about that? <sighs> the atmosphere at Climate Pledge Arena. I mean, can I think you we imagine? might have to. Yeah. Oh, my God. What an atmosphere. I'll dress up as a Kraken. I'll do it. I'll, you go with tentacles and everything. Oh, let's go. <laughs> we could both be. We'd have to both be the costume, like you know how it's like two people combined to be the crack. Like, but uh, you're some legs on the other part of the legs. Walk into the be concourse. To sit and like, we'd both have to go to the seats. bathroom at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. That's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. never mind. We'll uh, figure it I'm out. Glad, though. I'm glad we talked that through though, because now I'm seeing. Uh, yeah, we logistically, um... that's just not the call. Yeah, that's just not the, not the way to go. No, hell no. <laughs> Mitch, World Cup. Uh, it's Mitch's favorite part of the podcast here. Oh, and, yeah. you know, good for you, Mitch. Merry Christmas. This is the last time we have to talk soccer for a very long time. Thank uh, God. The World Cup is over. The 2022 World Cup in Qatar is over. But uh, the final on Sunday between Argentina and France. Holy cow. I got to tell you guys, I don't know if you were watching this. I don't know how many people that listen to this podcast are big soccer fans. I don't think we have many soccer fans. Mitch and I aren't biggest fans of soccer, but I've embraced the World Cup. I've watched a lot of this World Cup. I watched this, the second half of this final on Sunday morning. My wife and I sat there and watched it. We were both in on this thing. So intense. This was one of the greatest sports games I've ever watched, Mitch. It was one of the greatest sporting moments I've ever watched. To see France come back in this game, it goes to extra time. They outlast that. It's got to go to the PKs, and you knew Argentina was going to get it done, and Argentina gets it done. Messi wins his World Cup, his final World Cup, uh, in, his, in his final appearance. And uh, it was incredible. It was honestly incredible to watch. I had so much fun. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just, I, I, I don't know. I'm soccer stinks. I, I have, I under, I understand the allure behind the world cup, right? International competition. I get it. I'm actually a big Mbappe, Mbappe guy now. Mbappe big, is incredible. Man. I'm a big Mbappe oh, guy, man. but, um, yeah, I just can't get behind soccer, man. I just can't. I mean, I'm out. glad you I'm had a great time. You, I'm, was, I'm glad everyone else awesome. had a great time with I it, cannot, but I can't do it. I, I'm so excited about this, Mitch, because I cannot wait now for the World Cup in 2026 when it's hosted here in the United States. And I'm glad like I got excited about that because it'll be more fun when it's, you know, on our own turf and we're hosting it that time around. You know, I think it'll mean a little more uh, to be host of the World Cup. A little fun. So, you know, it's a tell good you time. What, I will I will try soccer again. In four years. In four years. <laughs> I'll, I'll try it again in four okay. years. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Your willingness, your openness. Uh, it's yeah. great. Uh, but shout out Messi, the GOAT, uh, with this victory and incredible uh, performance by him. And uh, officially, for all you Spanish speakers out there, uh, Argentina winning the World Cup means that we all must pronounce the double L no longer as a ya. It's no longer Mayamo. It's Meshamo because that's how they say it in Argentina. So for the Argentines, it's Meshamo Dallin, Javo Los Grossly, Shavo Los Groceries to the store. That's what we do. It's got to be the show now. So that's that's the rules. I don't make them for four years. That's how it goes. So no, I'm sorry. I can't get I can't get behind that either. I can't. <laughs> 
I'm I'm staying in solitude with all the other Spanish speakers out there that don't do the weird ass shh sound on the it's, double it's L. It's the worst. It's the worst. But you know they did win the world. Stand on my ground on that one. I'm firm on that. I will not flex. Mitch, we're gonna move past your least favorite part of the podcast into a much better part of the podcast. Thank uh, we're God. gonna. We got to go to the campus tour. And because it's the Christmas special, as you can see, as you're watching, Mitch and I are clearly right next to each other. I'm reaching out and touching him right now. Oh, yeah, right there. As you can, oh. We're actually doing this. Oh, my God. We're we're clearly not capable of this. We're, we're reaching the other ways. But we're clearly well, right next to each so other. Because we're so focused on the camera. We don't really. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I can see you out of my peripherals. Obviously, since we're right next to each other. Uh, but it's time for the campus tour. And since it's the Christmas edition, it's Christmas break. It's a Christmas break edition of the campus tour. And, it, and as you know, Christmas break on a, comp, on a, on a college campus means uh, no one's around. Everyone went home for the holidays. It's just Mitch and I. We're hanging out. We're the only ones we, on campus. Uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're just hanging out here because no one is here for Christmas break. Uh, but we do got a few things to discuss in the campus tour. A little transfer portal reaction not a ton of news in the transfer portal but we will have a ton of news the next time that we talk here on the podcast Mitch because the first domino has fallen in the quarterback race right a lot of transfer quarterbacks a lot of bigger names out there and we discussed them all two weeks ago and then just visits talks people nobody made a move and it kind of felt like once one person went you would see a domino effect and everyone would follow suit. Well, the first name is uh, Devin Leary. And Devin Leary's not going where I had suspected that he would go, uh, which was Notre Dame. It's something we discussed here. He's uh, he's following in the footsteps of Will Levis and replacing him at Kentucky. So Devin Leary headed from NC State to Kentucky in a big move for the Wildcats to acquire arguably the best transfer quarterback on the market. You know, I think you can make an argument for a couple guys, but... He is definitely up there. So a huge move for Kentucky. And again, Mitch, with this move, I think now you'll see Florida, Notre Dame, UCLA, some of these others, uh, Oklahoma State, some of these uh, names that were in the mix. Now you're going to see some dominoes start to fall. I would not be surprised that tomorrow on the 21st or 22nd, we saw you know half of these guys announce where they're going to end up uh, as we sort of uh, see this all play out. Yeah, and I get the Devin Leary thing, though, too. Like, you just saw the success that Will Levis had there. They're starting to build a culture and a program that yeah. people can get behind. And so I, I totally get the Devin Leary thing going to Kentucky. It's an exciting place to go. Things look up. Maybe the, the year didn't finish out the way that Kentucky wanted it to, but things look like they're trending in the right direction. And Jordan, by the way, I see your comment. Thank you. Our, our house does look great. Our house looks yeah, really great. Obviously, as you can tell, Jordan, we're in the same room. Uh, we're right next to each other because the backgrounds are the same. So we're clearly, yeah, uh, right you know, hand in hand on the here shoulder. recording the podcast. Yes. You can't really see my, my hand, good friend. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I appreciate the comment there. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. This is looking good. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, that's the first that's the first domino. And, and you're right, Mitch, Kentucky. Uh, I, one of the biggest appeals for Kentucky is that they run a pro style offense uh, and a sure. lot of colleges don't run pro style schemes. And so there is issues for guys making that leap to the NFL and getting legitimate, good feedback from NFL teams that are like, we don't see any, we can't see what we need to see from you. Cause you don't do the things we need you to do. Kentucky well, will put him in those situations, give him that good tape that the NFL probably wants. Perhaps that's the feedback 
you know, some of the feedback he's gotten and now puts him in a situation where uh, he can do that. And we just saw that with like Will Levis, clearly not the most talented quarterback in the draft, but getting a ton of looks because of that pro style offense, right? It's a, it's an offense you're going to see at the NFL level. Yeah. If you can get used to it in some capacity at the collegiate level. Maybe Devin Leary's looking at that and going, well, Hey, you know, maybe I can get some extra looks if I go into a system that utilizes that pro style offense. So yes. And, um, and one yeah. of the biggest critiques of Ohio state quarterbacks of CJ Stroud specifically in this draft, but Ohio state quarterbacks in general is that offensive scheme and how limiting it is for them as quarterbacks, as passers, what they're asked to do very easy reads. They're not asked to do much. So when you're making that leap to the NFL teams are weary of how that transition will go because they're not seeing what they want. Sure. Kentucky will give Devin Leary that. So very interesting there. Again, we'll see some more moves as uh, names like Grayson McCall, the Coastal Carolina quarterback, uh, DJ Uyunglele, the former Clemson, Spencer Sanders, uh, Brennan Armstrong, among others. We'll, we'll see where these guys end up. The other transfer quarterback to announce his destination, former Notre Dame starter this year, Drew Pine, announced he's joining Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State. Uh, so some big moves made by uh, Dillingham in his first uh, starting his first like month on the job here as the new head coach at Arizona State already brought in a number of transfers and talents and that's I thought that was a pretty good pickup for him. Yeah, I, I mean, I I get it right. It's the it's the uh, you know Lincoln Riley goes to USC and then Caleb William follows right. If you got that coach that you really like being around and you have an opportunity to transfer the school he just got hired at, like you want to follow him, right? I get that. This just feels like a step back for Drew Pine. Like Arizona State's program is not what Notre Dame's is. Yeah. And I know Notre Dame had their struggles, right? They started off 0-3. And but this feels like a big step back going from Notre Dame to Arizona State, who's not even competitive in the Pac-12. Like, let alone in general, in the Pac-12, they're not even competitive. So like yeah, it, it's just it seems like a bit of a step back, but I like Drew Pine. I think he's a, I think he's a talented quarterback. I think he's got a lot of upside to him. Just uh, not if I get he's he's following Dillingham there. But yeah. my my guess, Mitch, is that he was not uh, asked to maybe come back and be the starter. Maybe he yeah, was suggested to enter the transfer portal if they felt like they could do much better at the quarterback position. Uh, and that is. I think something that's hard, we don't know that part of the transfer portal. You see so many names go in every year, thousand guys in the transfer portal right now, but we don't know how many guys chose on their own to leave their current destination or those who were asked to leave or told it is in your best interest to find a new destination, right? We don't know right. that. And that I would love to, because I think it gives some context to some of these guys, but uh, certainly interesting there. Good pickup for Arizona state though. Uh, but again, number of guys, we'll see the dominoes fall here in the next few weeks. Uh, certainly, Mitch, I do want to discuss another quarterback who was rumored to go into the transfer portal, but decided to stay at North Carolina. That's Drake May. Very big on Drake May. We've talked about him. He was a uh, he was on our Heisman top five for much of this year. He is going to be one of the top draft picks in the 2024 NFL draft. But his coach, Mac Brown, came out today. And said that there were multiple schools who he didn't name names. He said he knew who they were. He wasn't going to name the names, but were very competitive schools this year who reached out directly to Drake may and offered him NIL deals 
in the $5 million range to leave North Carolina and come play for their programs. And Mac Brown obviously took issue with this. That's why he aired his grievances in public to, to shed light on this. And I had some thoughts on this because I have been very much pro NIL, very much pro name image likeness. Players should be able to earn money off of their name, their image, their likeness, the work that they are putting in the profit that they are generating in this world that we live in. But, with the lack of regulation and the lack of any sort of structure in this current NIL landscape, I think we are in a very bad spot mm-hmm. where now it much as it was before, if only exacerbated, those who have the resources will always have the best players, right? That was always true before. That's not like a new truth. Because guys were getting paid before NIL, right? We all know this, just under the table, but guys were getting paid. But now it is clear that unless you have millions of dollars to throw out the best players out there, you are not going to, one, compete in the transfer portal space, two, compete in the recruiting space, and three, be able to keep your own good players. Because now other schools are just going to come poach your good players because they can pay them more money than you can. And that is a problem. That is not good for college football. That is not the spirit of NIL. That is not players being able to make an, you know, make money off of their, off of their work, off of their play, off of their jerseys, appearances, like all of that. That is what NIL should be. Not this regulation can fix this limits on how much you can give players and NIL would fix this and allow you to still earn money. But there needs to be something because this is not working. This was my fear with NIL deals and where it would get dirty is exactly what you just explained. Um, Where we would see there's a separation between FBS and FCS teams right now. And it would be like, Oh, there's an FAS where there's the elite schools that can afford to pay all these people and we might as well just pit them against each other every year and not, right. and then we have an FBS and then we have an Everybody FCS. Else. And that was, and yeah. that would be, that was my worry with it was that, you know, all these big schools, the, I mean, my crimson tide is one of them, right? Alabama, I mean, listen, Ohio state, Michigan, they're all going to like all those big schools are going to take advantage of offering kids millions of dollars to get them to come to their program. And eventually completely delegitimize and tear down all these other programs that aren't able to do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly right. And that's, and that's what it feels like it's happening right now. It's, I mean, it's clearly what's happening. It's who can generate the most revenue. And ultimately it is the biggest brands, the biggest programs, the most successful programs. And again, regulation can fix this. Just as simple as putting a cap, you cannot earn more, than $1 million in NIL deals in a school year. That's it. Or, so, I mean, so, at, so, so every school can put together the same deal for the players. There's no, you know, well, Alabama offered me more. What are you going to offer? Well, you know, it's, you got to convince them off other stuff than just who can write the biggest check. Because if that, that's not, it's not what we should be doing here. Ultimately. And well, and it's look, good for the sport. I know that they're, they're young men. 
But you also kind of look at them as like they're still kids, though, at the same time, right? They're coming to right. college to play football. I like the idea of capping it. I also think you shouldn't be able to make an offer unless they've committed to going into the transfer portal. Like, it sounds like Drake May wasn't into the transfer portal yet. No. And he had teams offering him, hey, will you leave UNC for $5 million? Like, that's tampering. Like, let's yes. not tamper. Offer him, you know, if you want to offer him an NIL deal, that NIL deal, that's fine. Wait till they're in the transfer portal and then cap it at what it can be. And let, let the kid make his own decision. Yeah, I mean, just, obviously, if, if you're 18, 19 years old or 20 years old and you're entering the transfer portal, you're going to follow the money, right? Most kids, I think, probably would because they're, they're still like trying to make that. They're a broke college kid. They got to find a way to make money. They're, they're going to do it playing football. Like, don't just offer an exorbitant amount of money to try to get them to come to you. Let them make their own decision for themselves and set the cap there. Yeah, it's clearly we just need something. And I think the NIL Wild West has proven to be uh, not the solution that we need. Uh, I don't necessarily want the NCAA or the or Congress to step in and, and have overimposing regulations. But we oh, need no. something. We need just yeah. some sort of structure, uh, clearly, because this is not working. And hopefully we see that uh, here in, in the near future. Mitch, we got to get into some bowl game previews. Uh, we're going to highlight a handful of games. Uh, we're not going to have a podcast till. Uh, probably the 29th of December. That's a Friday. So next week, next Friday, you probably just pencil it in your calendar to hear from us next. Uh, so as we look over that next week or so of games, we wanted to highlight a few bowl games that you may want to be watching over your holidays, uh, starting with uh, tomorrow, a game between a couple of group of five teams, the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, Mitch. Western Kentucky and South Alabama. This is a good one, Mitch. Western Kentucky, a very solid team in Conference USA. Very solid team, as they have been for a number of years there. Uh, but South Alabama, very big surprise. Ten wins this year, and they're looking for their four, first bowl win in their school history. So uh, a lot at stake here for South Alabama uh, Western Kentucky has Austin Reed back, right? Their quarterback. He did enter the transfer portal announced. He was coming back for another year. So they got the quarterback back and, uh, this should be a pretty good matchup. I, it should be a, I, I, before we get into this game, I just want to say, I'm not a fan of Jimmy Kimmel, but fuck that guy for having a bold game named after him. The Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> label. What a self-absorbed asshole. Are you kidding me? <laughs> And then he's up in the booth with the, the Guillermo little guys and they're talking and he's having a good time. Like, wow, this is my bowl game. Like, screw you, dude. Get out of here. I don't like I I think they should not let Jimmy Kimmel sponsor bowl games anymore. But anyway, sorry, I had to get that off. my. The chest. other Jimmy's are fine, but Jimmy Kimmel, you're not. Jimmy Fallon's so much more likable than Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel has that's a punchable face, which, by the way, we need another hey, edition of the punchable we, faces. It, we, we should have had a Christmas punchable faces. Actually, <laughs> actually that could get that get dangerous. Oh, yeah. You, you put Rudolph or Frosty the Snowman on that list. You might get some people. Oh, they're not you might get canceled. They're, they got kissable faces. <laughs> Give oh, me a kiss. That, there yeah. you go. Yeah. That's uh, but no, yeah, this should be a great game. Uh, Western Kentucky, notorious for high powered offense, right? Mm -hmm. Um, this is a, a South Alabama team that's actually had a really good defense throughout the entirety of the year. 19.4 points a game given up. 
Um, right now, Western Kentucky sitting as the dog plus four um, money line at plus one fifty eight. We're talking betting here. Give me Western Kentucky. I like Ooh. them at plus four, either in a tight game where they cover that right, they lose by three, or just a win outright. So I think Western Kentucky is a pretty safe bet here okay. um, in, in a matchup like this. Um, but oh. yeah, this should be a this should be a fun one. This should be really. Fun. I, will, I will be rolling with South Alabama on this one. USA, baby, let's go. That is, uh, yeah. That is the University of South Alabama. That's yeah, what it is. USA, uh, baby. Bitch. Next game Thursday. You talking about high powered offense? This uh, this game is the opposite. Baylor and Air Force, uh, Big Twelve versus Mountain West, and a couple teams that are all about the run game. Line of scrimmage, obviously, you know, the option game with Air Force is very much what they what they do. But uh, this uh, this Baylor offense led by Jeff Grimes, the offensive coordinator, it's it's run game first. It's violence at the line of scrimmage. This is a battle of the 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 big uglies up front. And uh, this is a really fun one, uh, much kind of maybe the opposite of what you might see in South Alabama. Western Kentucky a bit. This is going to be a bruising, tough matchup, which I think is pretty good. I think this will be a pretty, uh, pretty competitive game. You know what? If you want to see some bruising action, the action will be in the trenches this week in Baylor and Air Force. That's yes. where the really good stuff's going to happen. Is right on the line of scrimmage. Um, Air Force somehow at nine and three against a six and six Baylor, a plus four underdog. Yeah. Um, against the Bears. Um, Air Force only six and six against the spread, but I'm going to take the dog here again. Give me Air Force plus four. So they have a uh, very good defense. on the money line. And give they me have a very good defense. Yeah. And I'm not going to touch the over under. It's kind of scary. It's 43. Mm. And that's kind of like, that's that. right in the that. middle where it, it certainly could not hit. And so like, I'm no just gracias. not going to touch it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, no toca eso. Um, yeah, no toca eso. Oh, no, Mitch, no toca cheso. However they say it. <laughs> no, you're good. You said oh, it right. Okay. There's no double L there. Oh, there's no double L. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. you know, I love that. I, I do like this idea that now we have to just throw the sha into just random words. Like, let's just throw it everywhere because the, the dang Argentines. I like that. That's right. Uh, Mitch, so wait, uh, do, wait, so for horse and it's not caballo, it's cabaycho. Cabacho. Cabacho. Kabaisho. Yes. I don't like that at all. It's horrible. I, like I know. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. You'll never get used to it. Mitch, no. uh, the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl here between Baylor and Air Force. Very good one again. That one's December 22nd, this Thursday. Uh, following the Christmas weekend, a couple games next week to watch the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl between a couple of Carolina teams. Coastal Carolina of Conway, South Carolina. And East Carolina, Mitch. So a couple Carolina schools matching up here in Birmingham. This is, you know, Grace McCall is in the transfer portal. Jimmy Chatwell is at Liberty. This is not the same powerhouse coastal team that we've known, but still a lot of talent, still a lot of pride on that program. And East Carolina is a really pretty good American athletic conference team uh, who had some good wins and really good performances this year. So this is a sneaky game. I think this will be a pretty good one. It I I love Grayson McCall, but I I really like Holton Allers as well. Quarterback yes. for Eastern Carolina. Um and Keaton Mitchell had a fantastic year, right? 13 over 1300 yards, 13 touchdowns on the ground. Um 
I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Eastern Carolina right now, who's the favorite at seven and a half. Yep. I think they can I think they can get that one done over Coastal Carolina. Um love Grace McCall, nothing against him, but that defense is really bad. Like it, yep. it's not a good defense, and I think that the Eastern Carolina has a perfect opportunity to uh, take advantage of that and get themselves a bull win, a program that has really struggled to have success over the last like 15 years. It'd be good to see them get a bull win. Give me the pirates. For sure. For sure, Mitch, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. First off, we should have a congressional law that if the name of your business is over three words long, you are not allowed to sponsor anything, anything. Uh, I don't care what it is, a, a bowl game, an arena, uh, a radio segment. Uh, I don't care like what it is. You should not be able to sponsor anything because that is too many words for people to have to say. Uh, but the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl between number 15. Sorry, I take a breath there. Uh, number 15, Oregon and UNC. Speaking of Drake May, he'll be facing off against Bo Nix, who announced his return to Oregon next year. That's a big move in the Pac-12 to have Bo Nix back with the Ducks. So this is a good matchup. High-powered offense I expect to see in this one. Like, take the over probably like 75, 80 points in this one. Uh, this should be like fireworks. Uh, December 28th, that's that's the, that's the when this game is taking place next Wednesday. Over-under right now at 73. Take the over. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Take the okay. over. Yep. Take the over. Oregon right now favored by 14 and a half. Ooh, North Carolina, 5-7-1 okay. against the spread. Not good against the spread. Not good. I'll take the Ducks here. I'll take yeah. the Ducks at minus 14 and a half. Yeah. A lot of energy getting Bo Nix back. I'm sure the team yeah. will be hyped. You know, I, yeah, absolutely. I like that. Uh, Mitch, final one here to watch the Valero Alamo Bowl. Number 20, Texas versus number 12, Washington. Uh, one of the better matchups, I think, outside of the New Year's Six games this year, in the Alamo Bowl here between Texas and Washington, two great programs uh, who had pretty good seasons. Texas in and out of the top 25 all year. I think they were overhyped for much of the season. Ultimately, what, an eight-win team? that That's about right. That feels about right of uh, where they were all year. This Washington team, though, a very big surprise, just misses out on the New Year's Six. I think they're going to have a lot to prove in this game. Uh, Michael Penix coming back for another season. So big to have him back. They're going to try to make a push in the Pac-12. So a lot on the line here for these teams. I think this should be a pretty good matchup. One of my Heisman favorites next year is Michael Penix. And I'm glad that he's coming back for another year. Um, matching up against the young hotshot, the mullet Quinn Ewers. This will be a fun. This, will, this should be a shootout. This should be yes. a shootout. Take the over. It's at 67 and a half right now. I'll take the over here. Washington seven and five against the spread. Texas eight and four, but I just think Washington's the better team. So I'm going to take Washington plus four. Actually, I'll just take the money line plus one forty eight. Take them outright. Okay. Um, I won't try to play with the points there, but uh, I'll take Washington in this one. Yeah, absolutely. I would take the Huskies as well. High powered offense there. Penix, I think, led all of college football in passing yards this year. Like he was forty eight hundred yards or whatever it was. He was a stupid. monster. Yeah. Uh, I mean, having Penix back, having Knicks back in the Pac-12, I mean, how much fun is that going to be? That's I mean, what good. a surprisingly fun conference this year with a lot of really good teams, and Utah's going to be good. USC will be good. UCLA will probably be just as good. 
uh, you know, and then you, you add Oregon, Washington. It's like, geez, all you got Dion coming to Colorado. It'll oh, be- I, I didn't even exactly. I didn't even bring yeah. up Colorado, Arizona State. We were talking about them earlier. Some sneaky good moves by it them. So Pac-12 might be kind of fun. Okay. I don't know. Are we buying in? Oh my gosh, Mitch! They no, were they, they we screwed too me early so to buy much in. this year. I don't think I could do that. It's too early to buy in on it, but yeah, yes. they bit you in I'm the not ass. Not buying too much. the Pac-12 stock. Can't do it, Mitch. Can't do it. To wrap up the campus tour Christmas break edition, our player to know before the NFL draft. And uh, because we had to remove Olu Fashanu, the offensive tackle from Penn State, uh, who is returning to school, not entering the draft, uh, I thought it fitting we add an offensive lineman to the list because uh, we don't have one now. That was the only guy we had discussed. So we're going to go O-line this week to recap the names we've heard on the list so far, starting with last week, Jalen Carter, defensive lineman, Georgia, Will Levis, quarterback, Kentucky, Tyree Wilson, edge, Texas Tech, Quentin Johnston, wide receiver, TCU, Hendon Hooker, quarterback, Tennessee, Michael Mayer, t- tight end, Notre Dame, Joey Porter Jr., cornerback, Penn State, Drew Sanders, linebacker, Arkansas, Bijan Robinson, running back, Texas, Jordan Addison, wide receiver, USC, and Bryce Young, the quarterback, from Alabama and the offensive lineman we're talking about this week, Mitch Peter Skoronsky, offensive tackle mm. of Northwestern, Big Ten blood, and a good Big Ten lineman to boot, Mitch. Top ten prospect by most people's measurements, I'd say, in the top ten to twelve range on most big boards. I believe Mel Kiper has him sixth overall. Uh, PFF also has him sixth overall. And the highest rated offensive line prospect in this draft. And that was expected coming into the season. He was at the top of the list headed into the 2022 uh, football season. And no one else has really emerged. And Skaronsky has been, frankly, really, really good. He has been one of the highest graded tackles this season. Seventh highest graded, according to PFF, uh, this season for Northwestern. And if you remember from our college football preview, Mitch, uh, for every conference, I had a bad player or a good player on a bad team that I just wanted to mention. Guys, we weren't going to really discuss this year. Mm-hmm. Peter Skaronsky was my player for the Big Ten. His Northwestern success. But he was going to be really good, and he's proven it, Mitch. Now, the one thing about Skaronsky that would make people hesitate is doesn't have the arm length that you want to see. He's not going to measure at that 31. I think 31 and a half is, is really where you want it. He's not going to measure at the level that you want with the arm length. Not the biggest guy, 6'4", 294. But he is a technician. He knows what he's doing in pass protection. He can play with that aggression in the run. And ultimately... I think the success of Rashawn Slater for the Los Angeles Chargers is going to allow Skaronsky to be a high draft pick because Rashawn Slater had short arms, wasn't had didn't have all the measurables for a tackle, but played it so well with such technique that you bought in to his ability to do that. And he is he was an all pro as a rookie, right? He was that good as a rookie, Rashawn Slater. So you're banking that Skaronsky can have a similar path that the that the 
physical downside isn't going to be a detriment to his career. He could be that great player uh, without those measurables. And that'll be the biggest question about Skaronsky. So he's not going to be a top five pick because of that, right? We see tackles go high. Typically, he's not going to be a top five pick. I think he'll still go in the top 10 because of the way that position group it sort of plays out. He's the top guy. So if you need a tackle, you're going to want to try to grab him. I think we'll see how it plays out, but I would, I would, I would feel pretty strongly now that he goes top 10. He's the first tackle off the board for sure. Uh, and I think he's just a solid starter all around. Like, I think you're going to just plug him in and feel very happy. He may not ever be a superstar, but you're going to get a great, great player out of Skaronsky. So that's our player to know before the NFL draft this week. Peter Skaronsky offensive tackle from, Northwestern. Yeah, number six on Mel Kuyper's board, number eight consensus ranking on ESPM Dress Experts boards. Um, only six pressures on 480 blocking snaps this year. He was a finalist for the Outland Trophy, um, which is the top interior lineman. Uh, so it sounds like he could play guard yep. for the most part, uh, which I would be totally cool with. Um, this is the Chicago Bears. This should be the Chicago Bears first draft pick. This should be their first round pick mm. this year. Okay. Um, if they wind up the with a top, top three five, pick, though, well, then there's a discussion to be had. But if they wind up like four or five, trade back to like yeah. six or seven or eight, wherever you think he's going to be at, trade back, get some get some return on it, and pick Peter Skaronski. I mean, his last name ends in Ski. He sounds like a bear already. So he played at Northwestern. It's he played at Northwestern. He's, I mean, he's, geez. A, he's an Illinois guy. Like just. I mean, just go do it. But, you know, like like you said, if the Bears get a top three pick, then there's a discussion to be had of whether or not they should trade back or not. But um, definitely a guy that I would be absolutely happy with if the Chicago Bears selected uh, coming up in April when we get into yeah, the NFL no draft stuff. Very solid offensive tackle prospect. And uh, I'll have a few more offensive linemen here coming up as I start to dig in uh, to a handful of the names that have emerged uh, throughout this college football season. So we'll, we'll add some of the hog mollies up front on this. There's I'm not going to miss the offensive lineman and the player to know before the NFL draft. Uh, so we'll have more, more to come as uh, the off season uh, gets underway, but Mitch, that's going to do it for the campus tour Christmas break edition. It's time for us to take a brief Christmas break and hit a mid roll. And on the other side, NFL week 15 recap, quick picks, but most importantly, Mitch, a Christmas top five. That's right, folks. A Christmas top five. You'll find out what we're doing on the other side. So stick around and we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the sports hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening, but if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the Sports Hour, guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back into the second half of the Sports Hour with Mitch Moe and Dallin. Thank you for sticking around. 
for this second half because Dallas about to get Christmassy. Oh yeah, about to get Christmassy up in this bitch, as they oh. as, as the kids say, as the kids say. Um, as Dallas, the kids say something we've been like we've been uh, trying to do, and I think something that we should stick with because it's a hell of a lot of fun is supplement maybe the absence of a top five list every week and do a draft. And since it's Christmas, we're going to draft the top five Christmas movies. It's our show. It doesn't have to be sports related. And we're drafting Christmas movies because yes. it's the season. So that's what we're getting into. Um, I'm excited for this one. I'm really excited for this one. Um, I'm so excited. This should be a really good draft. Uh, Dallin, I think it's only fair since I got the first overall pick last week. Ooh. My gift to you this Christmas is the first overall pick. Oh, wow. Isn't that nice? So pleasant, Mitch. What little, a little Christmas vibe. I love it. I mean, that gift from you is a Christmas miracle, it feels I like. Uh, Usually incredible. I compete for the number one overall pick. But... Number one pick, Mitch. Uh, honestly, I didn't want the number one pick because it's a lot of pressure. It is where to pressure. go where to go first in here with uh so many classics but i gotta go with a movie that i think is like my favorite one to watch every year and i'd be remiss if i didn't select it number one overall make sure i get it i'm going elf ah, number yeah. one overall will ferrell my guy classic you can watch it with the family you can watch it with anybody it's universal it's light it's fun nothing better elf is fantastic that's a great pick, dude. I, I think it's it's not the clear one-on-one. I think that you could make an argument for a lot of them, but that's yes. that's a hundred percent in the conversation. Yeah. For the one-on-one. Um pretty I mean, just a solid, solid first pick from you, my friend. But oh, thanks, man. I'm gonna go with another family-friendly film. Another film that you could sit down, watch with the family. It's about a guy whose heart Grosses two sizes bigger and gains Christmas. Oh, I'm taking man. the Grinch to school Christmas. The, is it okay? I gotta, I gotta ask here though, Mitch. Yes, it is the Jim Carrey version. The, okay, because the there's a old animated version. There's the Jim Carrey, and then there's even the Benedict Cumberbatch so, as well. So you know, I was just, I just having a conversation sure. about this with someone earlier or this last weekend. There's only two Grinches in my book. It's the it's the original animated and the Jim Carrey one. Those are the only two good ones. The Benedict I haven't even seen ones, the other one. Yeah, it can I kick rocks. It. it can kick rocks. Okay. Um, Tell them. For my second pick, maybe a little bit more of an adult Christmas film, um, but one of my personal favorites. I'm going Christmas Vacation. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm going this Christmas Vacation. This is why vacation. I didn't want to go first, because it's just, you know... You get you're getting some good good picks off the board. It's tough. I I love wow. I love Christmas Vacation. That's a classic. See, that was the one that I grew up watching every year. Oh, that was same what here. like our family yeah. watched every year was Christmas Vacation until Elf came out, and then you know we, that became part of the rotation. But it's always Elf and Christmas Vacation are like the two every year that we watch. And one of the greatest rants of all time is when he's talking about what he wants for Christmas and he wants his boss there with a big ribbon on his head. Yeah, and he so calls good. him every name under the sun. It's perfect. Oh, it's man. awesome. That's funny. 
and it's actually perfectly in character with Chevy Chase. He wasn't actually acting in that scene. He was that was just an actual tirade. He was talking uh, so about Lorne Michaels from SNL. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Yeah, uh, all right, Mitch goes back to back. How the Grinch stole Christmas. Christmas vacation. Great picks. I'm back up. I took Elf at the 101. I'm going to come back here with Home Alone. I'm going okay. Home Alone with the second pick. Home Alone is great. I hadn't watched it in a really long time until last year. We watched it with my in-laws. And uh, just a fun movie. I mean, just, just again, kind of like Elf. Just light and fun. And, you know, I had a good time. It had been so long since I'd seen that. So I got to go Home Alone. I like it. I like that one. You know, I... I self-admittedly am not as big of a Home Alone fan as everyone else is. Um, But when it does come on, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. Kevin's antics are always always fun. Yeah. His booby booby traps he's setting up all over the place. Yeah, it's great. great. Maybe it's not an every year one, but, you know, it should be in the rotation. It should be. Yes, absolutely. Okay, I got a tough call here, Mitch, as we come back around... I got to go because there's not a lot of options. There's not a lot of great options I feel good with. And I think you're going to pick this one. So I am going to go ahead and go with the Santa Claus. Uh, yeah, that's on my list. Tim, Tim that's Allen. On that's on my list. And, uh, you know, the wife and I, we just watched this a couple days ago. We were we sat down this last weekend. We ordered our last bit of Christmas presents for everyone. And we threw on. The Santa Claus in the background, and it had been a long time since I watched it, and brought back some good memories. I remember it seeing up. it quite a bit as a kid, and it was it was fun. It was fun. It's not the best, but it's pretty good. It's pretty it, good. It holds up very, very well, very, very well. I yeah, that's a great pick. That was I was actually on this next turn going to be one of my I knew, see. I knew it. So, I was like, if yeah. I don't take it here, it's not coming back to me. You, you got it, me so. back. Yeah. All right. No, I, back I to like back it. for Mitch. Let's see what you what. Okay. So you have what's your two movies so far? So so far I have The Grinch, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and uh, the Jim Carrey version. By the way, I yes. make that very clear. If we do a poll, it's the Jim Carrey version, um, and then Christmas <laughs> Vacation. Um, I am gonna stay with my third pick in the Tim Allen vein. Okay. And I'm gonna go Christmas with the Cranks. Okay. Okay. I That's... it's it's another family favorite favorite of ours and you know i think tim allen just nails every christmas movie that he does mm. right because he can come off a little crotchety and everything curmudgeony yes but then he also he always comes around at the end you know he mm. always comes around and just puts you in a little the christmas spirit i i like christmas the cranks here i think that's what i'm gonna okay. do that's a good pick. pick that's an underrated one that's pretty good very underrated very underrated. Okay. Now, okay, so this is where it gets interesting. Yes. Because I feel like... I feel like there's one you're not going to take, but I Ooh. I wouldn't put it past you to take it, hmm. and I want to make sure I have it. Okay. Because it's, it's not a... It's not everyone's favorite, but it's a classic... And it's got a great story. Classic, like, black and white. Yeah. I'm going to take It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. And I know it's not everyone's favorite, but it's one of my favorites. Jimmy Stewart in it is fantastic. And uh, 
My, I know my grandmother will appreciate that pick too because it's right up her wheelhouse. So, Mitch, um, you are such an old spirit at heart. I love you. Uh, <laughs> I don't put it past you for putting a black and white film on this list. So, uh, it's a incredible. great film. It's a great no, it's film. A good- it's a, it's a great pick for Christmas. You did Every nothing wrong. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings, Dallas. Yes, that is that is what they say in that movie. That's right. So, um, Mitch, I love that. Back to me, my final two picks. Uh, so far, I've got Elf, Home Alone, and the Santa Claus top five Christmas movies. My next pick here. This one's easy. I'm so glad I got this one. I thought I could wait. This is a this is a this is a Dallin favorite. I recognize this is not a great Christmas movie. I recognize most people probably watched it once and never thought about it ever again. But Jingle All the Way. Oh, damn it. That was going to be my fifth pick. That was going to be my fifth pick. Jingle All the Way is so good because Arnold Schwarzenegger is so bad. He's good. He's so like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's great. It's exactly what you want. You have to like look past any like. You know, it, you're not going to get what uh, you think out of it. Just enjoy Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to do a Christmas movie. It's fun. And you Turbo get, Man, you get, come on. Yeah, yeah, I have to get the Turbo Man now. Yeah, I, I have to get it to Tommy. <laughs> like, you have to. Yeah, damn, dude. It's that's crazy. a good one. Damn it. It's so good. I wanted that one. Oh, I'm uh, so glad I got that. Give I me honestly, the Turbo Man now. Oh, that's what i was debating between the santa claus there because i was like i don't know what will get back to me and i was debating between those two so i'm so glad i got jingle uh, all the way in there uh my my final one here though mitch uh, i've got got one more and uh this one's easy i'm gonna go die hard that's not a christmas movie die hard is that's a christmas not a christmas movie, movie and it's number five and I'm only that's, basically doing it to make you mad. That's and not a Christmas like movie, damn it. don't want to accept it as a Christmas movie. No, it, it just happens to take place at Christmas. That's not to it do is. with Christmas. I feel the Christmas, Christmas spirit when I watch that movie. And I won't let anyone tell me otherwise. I won't. Die Hard, that's, number five. No, that's uh, that's a lame pick, dude. That's not Number five. I, I, you're pandering. When we make I'm a not, poll, You're calling pandering. me pandering. And you put It's a Wonderful Life, you're pandering to all those above 60, bitch. We don't have much listeners over 60, Dallin. It's not pandering. You're pandering with Die Hard, you momo. What are you talking about? You know what? Just for that, I saved this music for you, by the way. Okay, so we were talking about this before uh, in our prep. Uh, I'm not a fan of Christmas music. I think most of it's overrated. And I jokingly discussed how we need Christmas EDM and Mitch this is what I found for you so as you make your final pick here's your background music number five sucks, Mitch, let's hear it. I think Christmas music and Die Hard's not a Christmas movie get that through your head will ya you feel great this? movie not a Christmas movie um wait for the drop <laughs> you suck so bad this is Christmas EDM <laughs> how we feel it yeah I'm ready to pop a molly and celebrate baby Jesus. Let's go. Um, Okay, I'll start it down a little. No, you know what? I'm going with another classic. I'm going with another classic. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay on brand. Okay. I'm going to stay on brand. I'm going to Charlie Brown Christmas. Ooh, I thought you were going to go Christmas. Neither of us chose a Christmas story. Did we do something wrong? Okay, so look, it was one that we watched as a family a lot. It's. 
I don't think it's that good. It's not You're, that good. Okay. It's not that good. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's it's, it's like not. you watch it because it's nostalgic. I don't watch it because I think it's a good movie. Mm. But now, I watch Jingle it every all the way. Year. I watch because it's a good movie. Jingle all the way is fantastic. <laughs> it's probably steal the draft right there. But like I I cannot get behind a Christmas story. No, we didn't we didn't do anything wrong here. Yeah. We can put it on honorable mentions, but it get, it's not getting in. It's not getting in. I wasn't going to pick it. I just realistically wasn't going to pick it, you know? Unless I just ran out of options. Yeah, I mean, I'd you, you would have to go wild before have, you ran out of options. I'd have put Krampus before I put a Christmas story. Dead ass. Like Krampus Dead sucked. ass. Krampus sucked. <laughs> Krampus really sucked. Okay. All right, Mitch. Uh... Real quick, before we give our list one more time for the people, any honorable mentions as we discuss in a few of these? Any other Christmas movies you were uh, hotly debating in your top five here? Um, yeah, The Polar Express. Mm. Polar Express, Miracle on 34th Street. Okay. Um, there's just so many. Really? There's so Yeah. Eight Crazy Nights, I considered. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good the Adam one. Good Sandler, anim- yeah, good the... animated one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got my fa- one of my favorite one. animated characters of all time is the basketball ref. That's a technical foul. Like I love that guy. <laughs> it's a it's a great movie. It's a great. I movie. did, uh, you know, in the spirit of not Christmas Christmas movies, though this one actually is about Christmas in a way. Is I did consider a, a Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, that was, yeah, that was what I thought of, yeah. But that one's hard, because it feels like Halloween and Christmas. It's hard to, div- you know, because it's kind of it's both. It's a good one to watch, like, November. It's a good in-between, because it is kind of both. That, it's, that's a it's good It's a point. good November one, yeah. When you're ready for Christmas, but you haven't put the Halloween decorations love, away yet. I do love when Disneyland redoes, uh, like, the Haunted Mansion, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, oh yeah. I, I think it's that one. I think that's the one. That, that, that would make right. sense. That would make yeah. sense that it was that, so. Hell yeah. I do love that, but there you go. I have I've I haven't seen the movie maybe but once, but I remember it was good, you know. I love Tim Burton Tim Burton's very different though, too. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's the top five Christmas movie draft. Mitch, let's run through our top fives for the folks one more time. I will go first. I had the 101. My top five is Elf, Home Alone, The Santa Claus, Jingle All the Way, and Die Hard. I uh, pretty much stayed on brand with myself, and I went The Grinch, Christmas Vacation, Christmas with the Cranks, It's a Wonderful Life, and a Charlie Brown Christmas. Love it. Mitch, I was hoping you'd go for the Christmas sweep and have five movies with the word Christmas in it. I have none. None of my movies have actually the word Christmas in it. You were almost there. If you didn't pick It's a Wonderful Life, you would have swept the five. Yeah. Well, if I didn't pick It's a Wonderful Life, I would have probably picked The Polar Express. Oh, okay. That's it. I I really like that. The one that came out like 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one's really good. The the, uh, Tom Hanks one. Tom Hanks. He's the conductor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That one's fine. That one's fine. Fine. You mean fine. That one's fine. It's not die hard, though. It's children friendly. I will say that. Uh, Yeah, it's true. Uh, Mitch, that's uh, that was fun. That was fun. Let us know in the comments if you're watching the live, if you've been tuning in. Uh, any thoughts on the Christmas movies? Let us know who had the top had the better top five here of Christmas. Oh, Dallin, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie because it's yeah, let not. It, let us know if 
how where you stand because people you know it's a hotly contested thing it's all i'm saying it is a hotly well even bruce was it bruce willis even said like in a recent thing when he's like die hard is not a christmas movie like well, what does he know that's the star of the fucking movie now yeah like, but he didn't write it what yeah, does the writer say? Yeah, but if he's the main character, he knows it's not a Christmas movie. Just saying. It just, I've never felt the Christmas spirit stronger Oh, you than watching Die Hard. Mitch, oh. let's go to our NFL recap <laughs> week 15, Christmas edition, as we are in the Christmas special episode 153. So we've got some fun names for our normal segments, our normal categories. Most impressive team this week, Mitch. Who made the nice list for the you? Nice list. Uh, yes. The nice list for me this week goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. An impressive yes. win over the Dallas Cowboys. The walk off pick six. Um, what was that? Rashad Jenkins ran that one back. Rashawn Jenkins ran that one back to end of the game. Um, Dak Prescott looked more like Quack Prescott with the ducks that he was throwing up most of the day. Um, you know, the Jacksonville just was great. And I know we're going to get more into Jacksonville a little bit down the road. So I don't want to steal any thunder from that conversation. But I mean, just the defense, you know, it was going to be hard to stop Dallas's offense. Dallas's offense has been so good all year long. But the Jacksonville offense over the last few weeks has really come to life. Um, and we've. And like, I'm really excited just to see, and they're not even overusing Trevor Lawrence, they're not overusing Travis Etienne. It's a per, it's almost a really, really even balance. An even balance in NFL standards would be like a 60 40 split between run and pass game. So, like, it, it's, it has been very well balanced. It's been, uh, they've executed exceptionally well. And Jacksonville just, man, to take it to a great Dallas Cowboys team, um, was an early Christmas present for me yeah. because Cowboys. Very impressive, Mitch, the Jags this week. And and honestly, this season, I think this is exactly what you wanted from Jacksonville this year, right? We had stretches of the season where you saw the potential on defense, right? Early in the season, it was the defense that was playing so well. Oh, wow, look at these guys. Oh, the, the, the front seven, the pass rush, they're really getting after teams. And you saw, okay, this is what they're building. We like this, right? Then that tapered off because they're a young team. They're still building there. But now we're getting a stretch of games where the offense is really taking off. You're seeing Trevor Lawrence really come into his own in year two and flourish as that number one pick. And you're like, okay, now I see the vision of what the offense can become. Now the question will be coming into next year is, can you put those together? Can you do that for the most, the majority of the weeks? Can you do both those things at the same time? But these are the signs you wanted to see from this team this year. Yeah. Can you Can you see the vision on defense? Can you see the vision on offense? See the pieces come together. Trevor Lawrence looking great. Uh, this team with the big win over Dallas. Uh, fantastic. I'm sorry about the faces I've been making, Dallin, while you're doing that. But um, your wife commented and said, Die Hard does not count as Christmas. Pick another. So, okay. Well, um, there you go. Nobody Boom roasted. When we asked for comments, I didn't mean her, I meant everyone else. Yeah, <laughs> you're telling your wife to not comment? Come on. Uh, it's fine. I get it. Listen, uh, just, you know, it's all good. It's all good. Die hard. You <laughs> think egg dog. You, uh, oh, yeah, okay. The most <laughs> impressive team to me this week uh, had to be, had to be the Minnesota Vikings. Who oh, pulled yeah. off the yeah. greatest comeback 
in NFL history, coming back from a 33 to nothing deficit at halftime to the Indianapolis Colts. They win this game in overtime, 39 to 36 in what was an incredible performance. And listen, I was making jokes at halftime of this game in our fantasy football chat that this is the reason why we should have the mercy rule in the NFL, that we should just call games at halftime when it's 33, nothing. Cause why would you play it out? Right? Like you wouldn't need to play out the rest of the game. We already know the outcome, right? Well, I'm, I'm happy to say I was very wrong about that. I'm glad the NFL doesn't have a mercy rule because we got to witness history this past Saturday uh, with this Vikings team, an incredible, incredible performance. And I think that it's just so representative of this Vikings team this year, Mitch, because for so much of this season, I have felt like, yeah, they're winning, but are they even good? You know, like, yeah, they're winning the records, but like, how good are they? Who are they beating? Right. I mean, the Vikings, we've just sort of, uh, we just felt like, you know, we have, they we haven't been convinced by a team that has a very good record. And yes, they had a very impressive win against Buffalo a couple weeks ago. Right. And that definitely left a mark, but this game really feels to me like this, this is a sign that this Vikings team can really make a run. Because they're getting everything going their way. And on top of being a good team and on top of playing well and having good coaching and all of those things, you also have to have luck. You also have to have things break the right way. If any team was an indication of that last year, Mitch, it was the Cincinnati Bengals who had everything break right in the second half of that season in that playoff run to make a Super Bowl run. And we would have never guessed the Bengals could have made a Super Bowl run in December of last year, but they did. So I don't know. It just feels like this Vikings team, obviously this win is impressive, but we probably need to be giving a little more credit to this team as a legit contender in the NFC. I mean, anytime you set the record for biggest comeback in NFL history, of course, I mean, it's impressive, right? It, it is clearly impressive. Um, And the Vikings were, but you had just mentioned too, like, oh, who did they beat? Who have they beaten? Like, yeah, they beat the Colts. I mean, it was the biggest comeback in NFL history. But again, you have to look at, you know, what the what the story is. They beat the Colts. And the Colts are not an impressive team to beat. Um, they were I very think, impressive in the first half, though. They they, they were, and really I think that I think half. that the Vikings also were very unimpressive in the first half. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, I. I love the comeback for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins had an incredible second half. Great, great win for the Vikings coming back from a 33-point deficit. Um, but the Colts' defense and the Colts' defensive play calling is the one to blame in this game. They're the reason that this happened. Like, I mean, They're the large reason of why this happened. Like Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense clearly had something to do with it, right? Because like they have to do something. But it, it you look at the numbers, you look at the metrics, the expected point summary, you look at the way the scoring broke down. Like this was just a complete collapse on the side of the Indianapolis Colts. And while the Vikings, I agree with you, were impressive. I think that's what's equally as impressive was the the collapse of the Colts sure. 
defense. Like that was equally as impressive as the the Vikings turning it on in the second half. Yeah, I think, you know, I'm, and it's one thing I think about of that Falcons Patriots Super Bowl, right? As remarkable as it was to see Brady come back from that deficit, it was also remarkable that a defense that had been playing so well up to that point just stopped, just couldn't get stops, you know? And it takes two to tango in these cases, takes two to blow a lead. It takes one really good team and one really well, bad team. So, uh, you know. Yeah. And there's another there's another angle to this, too, because in both instances, Matt Ryan was the quarterback. And in both instances, Matt Ryan threw the ball probably more than he should have. Yeah. So, like, like that was the big criticism of that 28-3 lead is, like, why aren't you just handing it off to Devonta Freeman? Why aren't you just, like, letting him eat? He had a huge first half. Let him eat. Keep giving him the football. You know, but you clock. And the Colts, granted, and they did a similar thing. They did a similar uh, thing yeah. on Sunday, so right or on Saturday. So, um, yeah, fair point. You know, there, there are so many multiple angles to look into that. We'll probably never f- any no the court of public opinion will probably never fully agree on whose fault it was for blowing that lead. Um, but uh, nonetheless, an impressive comeback for the Vikings. Absolutely. Oh yeah, incredible. Uh, incredible history made on a Saturday in the NFL. Love to see it. Mitch, our disappointing team, aka who made the naughty list. I'll go first here and uh, I'm going to go with the new England Patriots who had the worst way you can end a game ever. That's why you end up on the naughty list. Uh, They, the game is tied with the Las Vegas Raiders in the fourth quarter tied at 24 Patriots have the ball. They're trying to make something happen and they begin uh, some laterals. Rashawn Stevenson, gets uh gets like 20 yards on a run pitches it back jacoby myers the wide receiver throws it backwards like 20 yards it was like a pretty good throw for a wide receiver like you know good arm on him the problem is he threw it right to the defender chandler jones uh who then takes it to the house uh as time has expired to end the game and earn the win for the raiders Like the Patriots could have just knelt the game out and went to overtime. Like they didn't have to lose this game. I think that's what's the most incredible thing out of this is nobody had to lose the game at that moment. They could have just gone to overtime. It was in their hands. The game was tied. And yet somehow the Patriots figured out a way to lose this. Incredible. How do you, I don't know how they did it. That's, I mean, incredible. We had two walk-off defensive plays to win a game in yeah, the same yeah. weekend. Oh right? yeah. I mean, Absolutely. that does not happen often at all. Yeah. Granted, it, it's not often that it happens once a weekend and we get two in one weekend. Um, yeah. I don't know how you lose that game. I don't know how you just, or I mean, I can understand how you lose the game, but how you just don't kneel it out. Even if they're running the ball, make sure that De- Demo- that Ramondre Stevenson knows just cover the ball, do not fumble, do not turn it over, and run the clock. If you're not going to kneel it, yep. make sure that he just doesn't give up the ball in any in any way, right? Um, embarrassing. Embarrassing yep. loss for the Patriots. Embarrassing for Bill Belichick. I mean, this is butt-fumble territory for me as far as embarrassing. I mean, this is, this is really, really bad. Really bad well, luck and- for New England. And for a, a franchise and a coach who their whole brand is we do things the right way, right? Know the your Patriot role, do your way. job. Yeah. Yeah. Like that is their whole brand. 
And it feels like the last couple of years, like, I'm not saying it's because Tom Brady left, but Tom Brady left and all of a sudden the Patriot way, like, it's sloppy. It's no longer all buttoned up and tight like it used to be, right? So, you know, what all that means, I don't know, but it just feels so weird to see the Patriots of all people to be doing this, you know, just because it's been so out of character from what we've known of this franchise. Yeah, no, it's so uh, far out of character. Yeah, Crazy. Craziness. Uh, Mitch, who uh, who made the naughty list for you this week? Mine's not as good as yours, but um, it clearly not as embarrassing as yours. But uh, uh, mine's the, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you're you're 10 and three going into this matchup. You have an opportunity to close the gap on the Eagles and still keep yourself in the conversation, at least for this division title. Um, and you go and you lose to an inferior Jacksonville team. And we talked about how competitive Jacksonville has been in the last few weeks and how they've kind of had this second half surge and in, in, in pushing themselves forward. They started off hot, right? Beginning of the year, had a huge dip. And then now we're seeing them start to climb back up again. Things are going right. Dallas had a big opportunity um, to not let that happen and keep themselves in the divisional race and blew up, you know, Blew a game against Jacksonville. It was it was a really um Dak Prescott, you look at the numbers, 23 for 30, 256, three in the two picks. Um, that's not really indicative of how well he actually played. I don't know if he actually played that well. So um, you know, it's just uh it was not a good showing for the Cowboys. Um, and really kind of in my mind, with two with three games left, them now two games back or three games back now, they don't even have a shot at tying here in my mind. I th- it's it's pretty much the Eagles division to lose at this point. Yeah. I mean, with uh, a three game lead at this point, Eagles uh, definitely in the driver's seat. As far as that division lead goes, Cowboys certainly not going to catch them uh, because of this loss. And it is disappointing for a team that was competing there. Uh, and then just to lose in the nature of which they lost, you know, uh, it's one thing to, to lose to a team that has a really good day like Jacksonville, but losing on, on, on a defensive interception like that, not a good, not a good way to end it, uh, for the Cowboys, Mitch, our overreaction of the week, AKA, uh, you know, maybe we had a little too much eggnog. We're feeling a little frisky, uh, feeling a little loose. Uh, I got to fire off some takes here. Uh, what do you, uh, what's, what do you got? What's your overreaction this week? Mine is, and it's, I don't think it's that much of an overreaction. Anyway, the lions will be a playoff team and okay. will be the lions are going to win a playoff game. They're going to win a playoff game. Okay. They're going to win the wild card. They're going to get in the divisional round. Okay. There is so much momentum right now behind the Detroit lions. And I feel like that even if you're like as a Bears fan, they're in the same division as us. I'm back in the Lions right now. Mm. I'm like, I'm a Lions stands. I'll be you're like, in. you know what? Hey, we're out of it. But fuck the Packers, fuck the Vikings. I want to see the Lions do well. Give me the Lions. And there's just so much momentum around surrounding this team. They've been playing so well. They're a fun team to watch. I think that they they can ride this high. They can keep riding this high. Dan Campbell is proving to be one of the ultimate motivators in the league right now. He seems to get that team going, and the team seems to be behind Dan Campbell. And that's a great combination to have going into must-win situations. And I think the Lions will not only be a playoff team, we're going to see a Lions playoff win for the first time in, wow. I want to say, since 94? 
93? I have to double check that, but it's been a long time since their last playoff win. This feels like a year that they could do that. Okay. I'm not saying a long run, but they'll be in the conversation. I'm going to say that's not an overreaction As on the playoff team part. I don't know about the win. It'll certainly depend on who they match up with, though. I do sure. think they will have shots because this offense is potent. This offense can put up points. Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, is doing a hell of a job this year uh, with those pieces in Detroit. And they don't have bad uh, weapons, but they don't have the best either. So the fact that they're as good as they are with what they have just goes to show how good the offensive play caller is. So, yes, they are going to be a feisty team to have to face in that wild card round. Absolutely. I'm all in on the Lions making the playoffs. I'm right there with you, Mitch. I'm sticking in the NFC North with my overreaction. I had a little too much eggnog this week, Mitch, and uh, I'm feeling it. I think Kevin O'Connell will win coach of the year. Okay. Mm. I know Nick Sirianni and the Eagles are 13 and one. I know there've been a lot of great stories this year. Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins certainly have a case. But Kevin O'Connell in his first year turning what was a a Vikings franchise in a not a good spot. I don't think anyone expected them to suck this year, but they certainly weren't a team anyone expected to be as good as they are. And for him to, in his first year, really energize this franchise and have the success that they've seen, I think he's going to have a very good case. And the one thing I will say, Nick Sirianni is a second-year coach, and as a first-year coach, he went 9-8. and eight. They're going to have a great record this year, but he made the playoffs as a rookie head coach, right? Like, they're, like he's already had a measure of success, and coach of the year oftentimes goes to the most unexpected measure of success, not necessarily even the best record or who performed the best that year. So I think there may be a case at the end of the season for Kevin O'Connell. So that's my overreaction this week. Change my last name to Ben Dixon for a little bit, Dallin, because I'm gonna I'm gonna go in on the Eagles a little bit. <laughs> I think Dallin, you didn't have too much eggnog, but I think we need to start like maybe keeping an eye on how much more eggnog you drink. Because I think this or, is a slight overreaction. Yeah. I think that you're riding the high of the comeback, and that's all great and fine and dandy. That's awesome. But Nick Sirianni's coach of the year. He is coach of the year. I know that he went nine and eight and made a playoff. That's fine. But no one, no one on the face of the earth, I don't even think Eagles fans were thinking it, that they'd be 13 and one right now. Yeah. No one would have thought that Jalen Hurts would have been putting before putting together an MVP type season. Not a single person on this earth. And that just outweighs for me what Kevin O'Connell has done in his first year in Minnesota. Great turnaround. Great turnaround. Fantastic turnaround. Like we said, team was in a rough spot. We weren't really sure what the direction of the team was going into this season throughout the entire last offseason. Yep. We weren't sure of the direction of the team, and he seems to have put them on the right path. And I think he's going to be in consideration. But I think it's a slight overreaction in the fact that we can't weigh Nick Sirianna's success from the year before and have that be a detriment to him now. Because what they're doing now is completely unexpected from where the Eagles were projected to be at the beginning of this year. So um, I have to still give it to Nick Sirianni by a pretty wide margin, but I, so there's where the overreaction is, but I can see the argument for Kevin O'Connell. I can, I can. All right, Mitch, your MVP this week. Well, well, 
the MVP is the Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer Memorial Award. Um, yes, in you know, in memorial for uh, the true MVP of Christmas, the true MVP of Christmas, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. I mean, he bailed their ass out that one. I year. mean, right, exactly. I mean, I mean, without him, we ain't getting shit for Christmas. I mean, this guy was a walk on, dude. He was a walk on. <laughs> They wouldn't let him play any reindeer games. He was games. working overnight shift at Walmart. Dude, he was a walk-on to the crew, and he just showed up MVP. He was the Kurt Warner of reindeer. Oh, okay. All right. Oh. All right. All right. I, I like that. that. I, like I like that, that too. <laughs> Damn, Mitch. Good job. Uh, <laughs> I'm giving it to Kurt Cousins. Yeah. And I'm going to, and I'm going to, I mean, leading that comeback, he had an outstanding second half. Um, Threw for over 400, the four touchdowns. Um, this was uh, his. I this is a guy that was missing a hallmark moment. He got his hallmark moment now. Like he got his his moment that people are going to look back on and go, "Oh yeah, Kirk Cousins. That was the you know he was the quarterback that led the largest comeback in NFL history." And um, for a guy that's been maybe never a top tier guy, but he has always been consistently good. It's it's good to see a guy like Kirk Cousins finally get that moment that people are going to look back on and go, yeah, that was Kirk Cousins. He did that. So he's going to get my uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Memorial Award. I like that, Mitch, because, uh, you know, with uh, the greatest comeback of all time, you're you're in the history books forever. You're going to always be known as this guy, no matter what you do in your career. And and as you uh, said so well, he, he sort of solidifies his place in the history of the NFL with uh, this momentous win. And good good for him for that. A great moment for Kirk Cousins. Pop quiz. Who was the other quarterback? Who was the quarterback before him that led the greatest comeback of all time? Oh, uh, a guy who just lost his job earlier <laughs> this year. Frank Reich, former Colts head coach. To the Colts. Uh, yeah, former head coach of the Colts. And the Colts just got beat for the biggest, yes. you know, biggest. So um, no one's ever going to remember Frank Reich's name now ever again. Like it, nope. he's gone. He's dead. He's dead. That was it. That was all he had going for him. And uh, yep. Yeah. I lost out yeah, on that. So that is a tough break. Uh, my MVP this week, I was going to go with Trevor Lawrence and I will give him a shout out here because he had a great week as we talked about, but we talked about that game already. I wanted to discuss another game and another player here and a little shout out to former BYU Cougar, Tyler Algier. We is a guy mm. we discussed quite a bit in the draft process. What are those sleepers? Guy thought, man, he's going to find a good role in Atlanta. And it seems like in the second half, he's really come into his own splitting carries with Cordell Patterson about 50-50 right now. And then Desmond Ritter's first uh, NFL start, Algier came up uh, big, 17 carries, uh, career high, 139 rushing yards and a touchdown for Algier averaging 8.2 yards per carry. Uh, so great performance by him, his best of his young career. That puts him, Mitch, 743 total rushing yards as a rookie, averaging five yards per carry. I believe it's only second to Damian Pierce among rookies. So, you know, it, it, he didn't, it started off slow as he, as he came into his role, but, you know, three weeks left, he could be pushing thousand yards for the season. And all of a sudden you find yourself a guy who's going to be, uh, you know, around that Atlanta backfield for a while. So good to see him really have a good breakout week this week. And I expect more of that from Algier as the season uh, comes to its end. Been a big Algier guy from the start. I said, in fact, I think I said he would be the best running back out of that draft class. Yep. Um, and he didn't go until what the fifth round, fifth round, yep. fourth round. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, great week for him. I've always been an Algier guy. He's a he's a great bodied running back, uh, great skill set. Um, fantastic week for him. Love to see the success for the former Cougar. Yes, Mitch, the big L, aka the lump of coal. Who gets the lump of coal this week? I'll I'll let you go first here, my friend. Uh, Mac Jones, uh, for getting stiff armed into oblivion <laughs> by Chandler Jones. I mean, dude, like at that point, you would think just grab his face mask, take the Do face anything. mask penalty. Grab, take a face pass penalty, drag him down because they're not going to be a field goal position even after that, I don't think. So, like, just do something. Just do something. And he couldn't do anything. He tried to, like, tackle him with, like, his left butt cheek. It was weird. It was like, like that was butt fumble worthy. Like, that might be worse than the butt fumble. Ooh. Is that attempt at a tackle from Mac Jones. Um, It was, yeah, that was not a good look. I think Bailey Zappi makes that tackle. <laughs> Bailey Zappi makes that tackle. Mac Maybe. Jones doesn't. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Former Hilltopper. Love it. Yeah. No, that was a very bad look for Mac Jones. Uh, and, and obviously that horrible game, uh, way to end that Patriots Raiders game for New England, but uh, for him to just get demolished by Chandler Jones as he waltzes Dude, in ugly. Uh, to the end zone, just, yeah, bad, bad look for Mac Jones. Uh, Mitch, my lump of coal this week goes to. Any hopes of a NFC division champ with a winning record? Uh, that's who gets the lump of coal this week because the NFC South yet again stunk it all up. The Bucks lost, the Panthers lost, the Falcons lose to the Saints, who only had four wins. So the Bucks sit at six and eight. The rest of the division all sit at five and nine, which means that the Bucks would have to win out to go over 500. So we are definitely getting an NFC division South division champ under 500. And uh, you'll love to see it. What a, what a horrible division we have. Uh, you think Tom should have just walked and saved his marriage at this point? I mean, yeah. What? So you could go seven and didn't I say this earlier this year? So you could go seven and 10 and lose in the first round of the playoffs. Like, and it's happening in front of our eyes, Mitch. Like, what is this? Should it? I mean, he was married to a smoke show. Great family. Good kids. Should have just walked, man. Just said, Hey, nope, I'm hanging them up. I mean, what a move. What I a hope move. we all learned a valuable lesson from Mr. Tom Brady on that one. That's right. Uh, if your wife tells you to do something, just, do it maybe i don't know <laughs> yeah do yeah it. i i can attest to that one uh mitch the mv <laughs> the mvp race so then MVP pick something watch. different than die hard okay no uh it's already been done it's already it is it is finished uh mitch the mvp that's what tom race. told Giselle, so <laughs> yikes uh don't put me in that in that category please uh, <laughs> sorry no, no 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 i'm not doing that i'm not doing that mvp race or mvp watch every week we update it top three uh, last week, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. That was the top three. It remains the same this week, but we have another entry in a tie for third place. Uh, we're adding Joe Burrow into this tied for, for third. And this is mainly for me, guys. This is mainly for me because I believe that Joe Burrow needs to be in this conversation more than what he is. I think Joe Burrow's having a an MVP level season and we're just sort of overlooking him. He's second in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns. He's completing 68% of his passes. I and mean, he's been incredible and the team is 10 and four. So 
Uh, he is going to be tied with Josh Allen there at that number three spot. Patrick Mahomes at number two and Jalen Hurts number one uh, for now. Obviously, the injury to Jalen Hurts, we'll see how it affects the rest of his season. And we, you know, we get to adjust this week by week. So we'll adjust it as we see fit. But uh, we feel good about these rankings, Mitch. No, I know we talked about this before the show, but the more I think about it. It's not fair to bump Jalen Hurts out yet. Right. It's not fair to do that just yet. He may only miss one week and he might still very well be in the conversation. Right. I'm okay with bumping Josh Allen for Joe Burrow. Okay. I'm okay with doing that. I love and you. I'm, Let's do this. And I would think about Joe Burrow being above Patrick Mahomes. Ooh, now. I love I love it. It's a little spicy for me, but I love it's it. It's spicy. And I get it. I get it. But like I'm okay with thinking about it. Like I'm okay right. with thinking about it. So like, uh, that's a tough one okay. because like when you, you are you going to bump the guy that's in passing yards and passing touchdowns and no. third yard for attempt, but he's also but he's also thrown to the third most interceptions this year. So like, what's well, that's that's, that's the con- you know and, and like it, but the volume right the volume yes. so it, it, so it's an interesting conversation, Mitch, because when you look at the numbers, there's there's like. Three guys, there's two guys that are very similar in here and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, right? right? Big numbers, big volume, lots of touchdowns, but uh, but interceptions, you know, the interception totals are high, right? They're not, we're not keeping it, we're not keeping the interceptions down. Mahomes has 11 picks on the season. Josh Allen has 11 picks on the season. Joe Burrow has 10 picks on the season. So they're all sort of in that grouping there. Mahomes has 35 touchdowns, Burrow's 31, Josh Allen's 30, right? All kind of right there. Uh, the biggest differentiator for me is that Burrow and, and Mahomes are both around 68% completion percentage, and Josh Allen's down under 64. Now, he does bring a lot to the ground game, 700 yards and six touchdowns in a way that those guys don't. But with the winning that those teams are having, yeah, I mean, it's hard to ignore Mahomes and Burrow. I obviously hurts at this point. If the season ended today, he'd be the MVP regardless of the injury. That's why he's number one. But uh, it's it, with a few weeks left in the NFL season, it is a tight MVP race. And despite the fact that the Eagles are 13 and one and the hurts has looked so good, it's not out of the question that he is the MVP. And I think that makes this really fun as we head into this final stretch. Yeah, it definitely does. It definitely does. I just, man, I hope Jalen comes back. I hope yeah. he like, if he misses this week, yeah, I, which sounds like he probably will. I, I hope it's only one week deal because this sure. guy so deserves it. It's like that Wentz year where like he was clearly the MVP. Mm. Then he gets hurt and at the they, end. And it's happening to him again. The and, Eagles, they're cursed. Uh, dude, it's they're cursed, dude. Now that you said that, I'm thinking that you're right. You're right, though, because you're right. He would be the MVP if you played out the year. But then it's like, what if he doesn't? Then it just goes to Mahomes. It just went to Brady that year, right? Because it was like, well, Wentz can't win it. So we'll just give it to Brady. Oh, yeah, you're right, Mitch. I hate yeah, that. That's bad. You put that out there. It's bad mojo, my friend. I, I'm sorry. Ah, what do I do to fix that? I don't know <laughs> what to do. All right, what we do is we move to the final part of this podcast, Mitch, the Christmas special episode 153, and it's time to ramp it up with the quick picks. Uh, to recap last week, Mitch, you continue to excel in the picks 11 and 5 in your picks last week. I went 10 and 6. Still trailing though. Mitch has a record of 135, 89, and two. 
I have a record of 117, 107 and two, trailing by a measly 18 games. No big deal. <laughs> Three weeks left. It'll be fine. Hey, we just saw a 33 point comeback, baby. Anything can happen. Anything if Kurt can happen. Cousins can do it. I could do it. That's right. You've got me motivated, Mitch. I love that. That's right. Hey, you you're you're 10 games over 500 now though, which is a big that's hey, a big move. That's a big move. I love that. Cuz we love were that. flirting with not that happening. So. That is true. I got at least be 5 over 500. That is true. Yeah. That is true. Right. Yes, sir. You ready to get into it? Absolutely. You hear okay. the music? Let's get into it. Thursday night football. We got the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're leaving the swamps of Jacksonville. And they're headed over to the Big Apple to take on the New York Jets. Give me Jacksonville on the road. Jets, things aren't good right now. Seems like Mike White might be the best quarterback on that roster. He's out. Zach Wilson's in. Trevor Lawrence playing out of his mind. Give me the Jags. This is a this is a fun Thursday night game with some good narratives. The number one and number two picks in the 2021 NFL Draft. Seems like they're going in different directions right now, but this Jets team is still hanging on to hope for the playoffs. Still have a shot at 7-7, seven and seven, but they need a win this week to stay alive. The defense comes up big. The Jets gut out a win on Thursday night. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I'm rolling with New York in this one, Mitch. Following that, we've got a slate of Saturday games, Christmas Eve, chock full of the NFL. And we start Saturday morning with the Buffalo Bills headed to the Windy City to take on the Chicago Bears. I'm sorry, my friend. I'm rolling with the Bills. I'm trying to put this season away, Dallin. I would love to say Berdan. Uh-oh. But to quote the great Chris Berman, no one circles the wagons. Quite like the Buffalo Bills. Give me the Bills on the road in the Windy City. I like the Bills over the Bears. Following that game, we got the New Orleans Saints. They are leaving the Big Easy to head over to Cleveland, the best city in Ohio, according to Dallin. Yes. To take on the Brownies. Give me the Brownies at home. Things are not good in New Orleans. It's a, it's a confusing mess. Can't make any sense of it. Give me the Brownies at home. New Orleans is a mess. You can't make any sense of it. And that is why I'm rolling with the Saints on the road in this one. Give me New Orleans. Oh, goodness. To get it done on the road. Chaos, Mitch. That's what I'm rooting for. Chaos. (laughs) Following that, the Fighting Dan Campbells are headed to the bank. Bank of America Stadium to take on the Carolina Panthers. I love this Lions team. I love Dan Campbell. But keep pounding, Mitch. I'm going with the Panthers. Give me the boys from Motor City. I'm rolling with the Lions, baby. Let's keep on rolling. Let's get that playoff spot. I can't tell you keep pounding this week, Dallin. Give me the Lions over the Panthers. Following that game, we got the Houston Texans. They're leaving the Lone Star State to head up to Music City to take on the Tennessee Titans. Titans, one of those teams... Hot and cold. Hot and cold. Can't get a good read on them. But you know what? It's not hard to get a read on how bad the Houston Texans are this year. Give me the Titans at home over the Texans. 
You know, this Tennessee team cannot uh, catch a break when it comes to injuries this year. Cannot stay healthy. Dealing with it with Ryan Tannehill now yet again. And, you you know, this Houston team is bad, but they've had a couple weeks in a row against Dallas, against Kansas City, where, you know, they didn't just roll over and give up. They were competitive. They were in that thing. I say, why not? They're going to win more than one game this year, right? They're going to get it done against the division leaders. Houston on the road, Mitch. I'm I'm hyped. I'm I'm, 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 I'm taking all the weird ones today, my friend. Fucking your balls you, you must be so big, dude. You just keep looking at me like, what are <laughs> these picks, homie? <laughs> your balls are huge, man. Good for you. Oh, buddy. I got nothing to lose, Mitch. I'm down 18 at this point. I got to do something. Uh, following that, Mitch, the Seattle Seahawks are headed to Missouri, to Kansas City, to take on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. Yeah, Chiefs in an easy one, I think. I, I Seattle's had a good run. They've had their moments. Time to come back down to earth. Time to come down from cloud nine. And they're going to land right in Kansas City and get their ass handed to them. I like the Chiefs <laughs> at home. Following that game, we got the G-Men, the New York Giants. They're leaving the Big Apple to head over to Minnesota to take on the Minnesota Vikings. Coming off the big comeback win. Vikings riding high. Give me the Vikes over the Giants. Yeah, I'm rolling with Minnesota as well in this one. Mitch, Giants. Uh, Got the win over Washington, but it's going to be a tough stretch to end the season for them. Minnesota feeling good. They get it done at home. Following that, Mitch, Joe Burrow and the Bengals leaving Cincinnati, headed to the Northeast to take on the Patriots. Embarrassing way to end that game for the Patriots, and the woes continue as Joe Burrow lights them up in Foxborough. Give me the Bengals. Yeah, Bengals big over the Pats give me the Tiger King, Joe Burr, Joe Exotic, and the Bengals to get it done on the road in New England. Following that game, the Falcons, they're leaving Hotlanta to head over to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. I like the Ravens in this one. There's no, no word on whether Lamar Jackson will be back or not. Still might be Tyler Huntley. Things aren't going great right now in Atlanta, though. I think Tyler Huntley had a bad week. I think he's a much more talented quarterback than what we saw. Give me the Ravens at home. Yeah, I'm going to roll with Baltimore in this one as well, Mitch. Uh, It looks like Lamar has a shot to play this week, but with Desmond Ritter taking over for the Atlanta Falcons at this point, they just want to see what they got out of this rookie. And, uh, you know, it's not going to look great at times. Baltimore is a playoff team despite the injuries at quarterback. They'll find a way to get it done at home in this one. Mitch, the Washington Commanders headed all the way across the country, one coast to another, to take on the San Francisco 49ers. The reign of Brock Purdy ends this week. Washington and Taylor Heineke get it done on the road. The Commanders leaving the nation's capital, headed over to the city by the bay. Nothing has changed. It is Purdy time in San Francisco. Give me the Niners to get it done over the Commanders. Following that game, a classic NFC East matchup. The Philadelphia Eagles going to be leaving the city of brotherly love. Headed over to Jerry World to take on the Dallas Cowboys. No Jalen Hurts this week, it sounds like. Tough loss for the Cowboys last week. And a close one. 
E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Give me the Eagles on the road in a tight one over the Cowboys. Yeah, you know, the Hurts thing is tough here. And after after the way they ended last week's game, I think Dallas is going to be extra motivated to come out of here with a win. So I am going to roll with the Cowboys at home to bounce back after that disappointing loss. Get it done against a hobbled uh, Eagles squad here. Give me Dallas at home. Final Saturday game, Mitch. Saturday night, a a uh, rematch, a, a remembrance of uh, the catch, right? Uh, the immaculate reception. Frank, the immaculate reception. Franco Harris. Uh, Raiders at Steelers on Saturday night should be a good one. I'm going to roll with the Raiders on this one. They seem to have some momentum going at the end of the season. I'm not. It's probably not going to matter much for them as far as the playoffs go, but it will be positive momentum for Josh McDaniel in year one. Uh, so... You're welcome, Tanner Paseni, for maybe the first time all year on this podcast. I am picking the Raiders to win this week. Write it down. Write it down. This is uh, this is this only happens a handful of times. Something something as momentous shifting as it, what happened last week with the Raiders makes you think they can go eight and nine, right? Yeah. They're not going to be have a winning record, but they're going to get close. I like the Raiders in this one on the road in the Steel City over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sunday, Dallin, Christmas Day. We got a couple games, a few games, actually, and we're going to kick it off Sunday morning with the Green Bay Packers. Those rats from Wisconsin are headed down to Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins. I'm not taking the rat people. I'm not taking the rat king. Give me the Dolphins over the Packers at home in Miami. Yeah, Dolphins over rats all day, every day. Easy pick. Go in Miami, Mitch. Go in Miami. I'd love to be in Miami for Christmas. I would. That yeah, sounds fantastic. Nice and warm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love the better cold than weather, Green Bay, cool. Wisconsin. I mean, geez. Yeah. It'd be a it frozen be. tundra. Uh, Mitch, following that, we got to get to it here. Uh, we have our garbage game of the week. So let's, let's, I got to turn the volume up a little bit more on this one. Cause it gets a little quieter. Here's the garbage game of the week. Let's this hear is it. Just, this is just hot garbage, straight hot garbage. You're a garbage person. You're a garbage person. You're a garbage person. This is a garbage game, Mitch Denver Broncos. You know, I'm not putting the, 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 the quick, the quick picks bed back on. Let's put us a Christmas music again because that was so pleasant before. Oh yeah, it was. We got a couple. We got a couple. We only do this left. once a year. We should just yeah. do Christmas music. Yeah. Exactly. We'll, we'll we'll keep it here. Denver at the Rams. I'm gonna go with Denver in this one. This is just yeah. two weird teams. I mean, it's the reason why it's garbage game of the week. Baker Mayfield, this Broncos team. The only thing I know coming into this game, Mitch, is that the Denver Broncos defense is good. So I'm going to go with that. I'm going to pick Denver. Yeah, I'm going to go with Denver as well. I feel like I need to soften my voice while we're doing this. I feel like we're doing an audio book. I'm going to go with the Broncos. What Let's if our podcast was actually like this, Mitch? Oh, we'd sound like NPR. NPR. Welcome. <laughs> welcome, to so our, right. welcome to our Sports welcome Hour Christmas special. To the Sports Podcast. Dallin, what, it's what, what did you evening. ask old St. Nick for Christmas this year? Well, I asked him for... Uh, more meekness in my voice. Oh. I asked him for some rice cakes and a funnel. <laughs> in a funnel? 
Yeah, it'd be good for funneling. Give me the Broncos on the road over the Rams. I following that following that game. Sunday don't make football. me put the, the 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 Christmas EDM on, Mitch. Don't, don't make me do it. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're leaving the state of Florida to head over to the desert <sighs> to take on the Arizona Cardinals. Tom Brady, he's had a rough year. I've been praying for him. I've been praying for him a lot. God bless him. God bless him. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers on the road over the Cardinals. You know, if that if that little Kyler Murray guy just he didn't play so many violent video games, I'd be a bigger fan of his, but oh, I just can't God. stand the, the games, all that the video games. All the all the internet the things. It's just too much. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. I'm going to go oh, with yeah. Tom Brady. The you the, the the age over youth. That's where we're going here. Okay. Mitch, Monday night football. Mm. The day after Christmas. What a beautiful day oh, it is. Yeah. Boxing day in in the UK for our for our listeners over there across the pond. Oh Canada, yeah. Okay. Is this Okay Oh Canada. <laughs> Not the same. Boxing Day. <laughs> Boxing Day. Did this music end? Thank God. Uh <laughs> 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 I just knocked over my mic, Jesus. All right. Uh hey, oh, we gotta finish this. Mitch, uh Chargers over Colts on Monday night. Yeah, Chargers over Colts on Monday night. Yep. Easy one. Are they are the biggest question, Mitch, are the are the Colts gonna blow another comeback? I hope for their sake they don't. Not a third. I really hope for their one, sake they I don't. I think they will. Like a 24 point comeback. Something that would like that. Be. Yikes. Yikes. That would not be fun. You, hey, fun fact. Jeff Saturday was the first head coach in history, or the first coach in history with the last name Saturday to lose on a Saturday. Facts. Do you know that? Hey. That was cool. I, I well, read that one. Uh, you would think that on his day, he would be even better, but turns out not the case. Nope. Not a weekend guy, apparently. <laughs> not a weekend guy. Not a Contrary to popular belief, I mean, yeah. guy's last name is Saturday, but yeah, you know. guess so, guess so. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, man, bittersweet to come to the end here, but this has been a fun episode, episode one fifty three, the Christmas special. If you've been tuning in to the live stream on YouTube, on Twitter, thank you guys for watching, for hanging out. As you can see, Mitch and I in our shared space here, right next to each right. other, within within meters and inches uh just having a great time doing this yep. podcast uh celebrating a great time of year listen this is a sports podcast we talk to sports throughout but uh, we do really love christmas christmas is a great time and uh felt fun to celebrate it here with a little extra on the podcast oh it felt so good it felt so good i mean we went we were extra today but you know that's okay yes. It's that time of year. We can do it a little bit. Yeah, we love. Yeah, it's okay to go a little extra here for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, Uh, if if you don't already, check out the social media channels. If you're watching the live stream, you can see them ticking below the Instagram at the Sports Hour guys. Follow our TikTok at the Sports Hour guys. You can also follow the Twitter at Sports Hour guys. Check us out live every week on there. The YouTube channel. If you're listening and haven't checked out the live stream, YouTube.com. Slash the sports hour guys. You can also check out the website, the sports hour guys.wordpress.com. Guys, that is branding for you right there. You see the consistency between all that? You don't got to think what's the username? What is it? 
it's the same everywhere as much as we can, you know, try to make it easy for you. You can find us everywhere. You type in the sports hour guys. We'll be there. I mean, you're going to find us. Exactly. hundred percent. Mitch, tell the people, remind the people about anchor. Uh, Can I tell them about anchor? Okay, good. Cause on anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys, that is the place that you could become a permanent part of the conversation. Look, we love seeing your comments here on the live stream and we love seeing your comments on our Instagram post, but we want you to get on anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and leave us a voice message. We'll play it live right here on the show. And whatever question you have, we will answer it right here. Tell Dallin how egregious his diehard pick was. Um, tell us how we were, how wrong we were on a certain take. We'd love for you to be a part of the debate, the conversation, Get on anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys. That's the best way to do it. If you're listening to this in podcast form, you can get us wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. You look up the sports hour guys. You will find us there. Get on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating review. Tell us that we suck because Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we could get better. And as you can tell, 153 episodes in and one Christmas special down, uh, we have a lot of work to do. So uh, let us know how we could do that work. Let us know we could approve, uh, improve. We would approve of that feedback. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just tell us we're ugly and we need to fix our face. That, that'll help yeah. us get better. So tell us, know. to guys, go back to a podcast only. Because your ugly mugs do not deserve to be on the internet. If that's the case, then you know we'll take it. Yeah, Feed, we can handle feedback's the truth. Feedback, baby. Feedback we can is handle feedback. the truth. Well, yeah. it's all we got, folks. That's it. We wish you a merry Christmas. Enjoy your holiday weekend with friends and family. It is such a good time. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you, and we will catch you next week. Merry Christmas and God bless everyone. Catch you next time. See ya.